Morning everyone, welcome to uh, the show. We are in the team car, heading out into Lincolnshire on the morning commute. I suppose that ruins the illusion that it's actually a proper team car, doesn't it? But welcome to the show. This is the 117th of uh, our podcast, the Fendrian Cast. Um, the only podcast, I think, in the world at the moment that's not brought to you in association with Floyds of Leadville. It seems to be uh, on everything at the moment. Uh, the cycling news one, the fellow news one, all of the competition. Um, but we are not. We are uh, fiercely independent and unsponsored at the moment. Um, after a, a period of, uh, of sponsorship um, earlier on in the podcast existence, when I got round to it a bit more regularly. But we'll try and get back to that. I know I keep saying that. Um, so what's happened since we last uh, spoke? We've had um, the, the serious bike racing sort of start we spoke just after the tour down under and we were getting towards uh, Valencia um, and one or two other races Hope Var um, uh, the Algarve and so on so yeah it's been quite interesting bit of shadow boxing um, but last weekend of course cycling proper came back and we had the first of the two Flemish uh, semi-classics Het Newsblad and Kerner Brussels Kerner, which um, were Saturday and Sunday. Today, um, Tuesday, we have the Grand Prix of the Salmon, which uh, in the last couple of years has actually probably been the most exciting of this uh, of this little uh, pod of racing. So let's hope that that's true again. I mean, it's been the most exciting basically due to the fact that it's had the the worst of the uh, worst of the weather. The midweek weather seems to have been a lot worse than the weekend weather. So. We'll see if that's the case again today. Uh, so get your eyes on British Eurosport later on this afternoon and uh, for highlights in the evening if they are on at the time that they're advertised, which is not always the uh, not always the case, is it, with Eurosport? But they're always a good quality watch um, and um, always interesting to see. So uh, we shall see how we go with that. So, the first of the races was uh, probably the bigger one, the Omloop Het Newsblad, which uh, is, starts in Ghent, um, finishes in Nunove, where Flanders used to finish, follows the old Flanders finishing route. Um, but before that, it chugs up the regulars, um, the old Quaramont getting its first airing of the season, uh, climbs like the Wolfenberg, um, that awful downhill and uphill stretch at Hag's Hook, which has uh, got a dog leg in it, which... Um, I remember riding the Cyclo and uh, seeing an ambulance uh, parked on the side, more or less waiting for, I think it was some Italian guy, judging by the swearing that I could hear coming from the ditch that uh, the cyclist had disappeared into. Um, so yeah, plenty of, uh, plenty of difficult challenges. The cobbles it's, uh, themselves weren't necessarily the, uh, the key factor in, in deciding the race as it, as it happened. I think Greg Van Avermaet was... Um, very strong as we uh, as we would have predicted but he was almost too strong and on that run in to uh, to Gerardsburg and well probably actually for 20 30 maybe even 40 k's before that he'd forced a group clear that had got uh, Zdenek Stebar in it and um, Greg was was keen to uh, was keen to push on the, the gap kept coming down it kept going up um, I think the fact that there was a, a De Kerning quick-step rider in the front group certainly helped. I think the fact that Van Avermaet was in there, you know, meant that his team didn't have to chase. In, in terms of, of organisation, 
Um, Jumbo had a showed a bit of interest. Um, Lotto a little bit of interest at times, but in the main that break, despite how the proximity of the of the peloton or what was left of the peloton um, to it was fairly comfortable in in its in, in staying away. And I think the thing with those little twisty Flanders lanes is once you get in them, you can be you know 10, 15 seconds ahead of a of a chasing group, but that could be you know two two corners or you know, across a farmyard where, where you, you've got no visibility, and I think that helped them out. Um, as it came towards the, uh, the, the finish, the run into the finish, um, Van Avermaet tried on, uh, on the Muir, and he did well to, to kind of stretch it out. Um, I think the riders are starting to get the, the measure of, uh, of the Muir now. Whether with power meters, maybe they can just hold back a little bit on that bit through town to cut across the pedestrian zone, um, which is sort of six, seven percent at times. Whether they can use their power meter to regulate their effort across there so that when you get through the houses and turn onto that sort of wooded lane where it properly rakes up, that, that then they can actually, uh, they can explode out. Of course, as we got to even that point, um, friend of the podcasts, or friends of the podcast even, Seth Van Martin, Jürgen Rolance were already um, distanced. Seth had struggled um, pretty much all, uh, all day, uh, on and off, getting in and out of the break, but he seemed to be hanging around the back probably a bit more than would have been, uh, than would have been wanted. Um, and as a result of that, he was, um, he was never, really, uh, never really a factor. Um, there were periods of time where Rolance looked like he might have um, have an influence on the race or he might have an opportunity. Um, you wonder whether Movistar are really genuinely serious and whether he's like a token leader, um, a token leader for, for the Spring Classics. You don't know, I suppose it's difficult to say. Um, but Rolance uh, was gone. So it was left in the, uh, the final. The Bosberg didn't, it stretched them, but it didn't quite split them. And um, it was left on the run-in, as last year, really, uh, where Michael Valgren attacked last year. Um, Tim Wellens attacked this year. Van Avermaet was able to bring him back. But in the, uh, the ensuing um, sort of freewheeling and, 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 and relief of the pressure, uh, after that, uh, Steve Barr seized his opportunity and he was gone and uh, not seen again. Um, Van Avermaet winning the sprint for second place. Um, He'll be pretty disappointed with that. He had told the media the week before that he'd had made some errors in some sprints in some some uh, early season races, uh, stage racing, and that, that you know he there are mistakes he shouldn't make as a as a twelfth year pro. I think the mistake he made in this one was to try and lead from the front and dominate from the front. And when he wasn't able to to shake Steve Barr off on the climbs and the group came back together there was always that risk that someone like Wellens would seize the opportunity which he did and Van Avermaet didn't really have much choice other than to hunt him down because the others were looking at him as the strongest but by the time he'd got Wellens back in the fold and Steve Barr had launched Greg and you even see it on the footage from the overhead camera shot he kind of got out the saddle to chase and pretty much sat down and shook his head straight away but you know it was still a month away from Flanders which I'm sure he'd trade a win in Het Newsblad 
another win in Hetnews Blad for a win in Flanders. So, um, you know, maybe he's uh, he's got an opportunity uh, to, to, to do that and he's not quite at the peak of his powers, maybe as, as we would have thought. I mean, he's certainly on the way up and he was certainly one of the strongest. Um, Sunday, the, the weather was a bit worse and, um, you know, you... When you sit down to watch the uh, watch the race back, you always want a bit of wind and a bit of rain in Belgium because that's what makes it uh, that's what makes it Belgium. And, and certainly, Kerner Brussels Kerner in the main didn't disappoint. Um, wasn't quite the Baltic, you know, everyone in leg warmers and big coats of, uh, of last year for for the opening weekend, but it was certainly uh, brisk. Um, another. Another interesting race, really, and another kind of tactical masterclass from uh, from De Kerning Quickstep, who, having struggled on the opening weekend, misfired on the opening weekend of the classic season in recent years. And I read a stat somewhere that it's, you know, like four or five years since they won one of the opening two. Um, this time they managed to secure the double, and in a classic half-renowned for sprinters, um, it was uh, famous non-sprinter Bob Youngles who, as with his Liège win last year, took his opportunity when it arose and, um, and rode almost like the perfect perfect ride to the finish. But before that, again, it was kind of pretty savage racing from like 70, 80 kilometres out. When the live feed picked up and there was 89 maybe kilometres left, Quickstep had gone to the front because they'd seen a, one of those typical Flemish drags on a probably what we'd class as an A road but it's quite a steep twisty wide open space and in that twisty wide open space there is always wind and they were pretty keen to to, to drive it down um, eliminate a, a bit of the competition which they successfully did um, so it was uh, it was a reduced peloton anyway which meant that when the big uh, break went clear um, it was able to fuse with, with with riders heads of state coming across from the peloton and, and we were left with a fairly workmanlike uh, group off the front again with uh, with a quick step rider in in the form of Jungles and it, it was a pretty epic Luxembourg on Luxembourg pursuit because this group looked like it was going to get caught from quite some, some distance out um, but there was no real uh, concerted chase, to be honest, and it was left to Bora Hansgrohe's Jean-Pierre Drucker, looking every inch the uh, the chiselled classics hero now with his blonde beard and massive uh, sunglasses on. He was left to try and drill it and get the group back together, or get them all back together. The breakaway was kind of dysfunctional towards the end, and with about a lap of the little finishing circuit that they use to go, um, Jungles saw that as his opportunity and took it really, and, and literally just rode away from that uh, from that uh, breakaway. The breakaway then kind of fused with the chase group, and somehow Jungles managed to dig in. And the next thing you know, he's like 35, 40 seconds clear, and he needed every one of those 35 and 40 seconds to get through the, the suburbs of Kortricht and, uh, and back out on the little loop to get back to, uh, to, to Kerner. And he, in the end, he held on with, with quite some ease. And 
I think he owes part of his win to, uh, to Owen Dool of Team Sky, who, who sort of sat and looked at the fact that nothing really was happening in the chase behind. And once Drucker had blown, Quickstep sort of fanned out across the front of, uh, of this chase group. Five riders of theirs pretty much blocking the road to, to try and keep Jungles away. Uh, Duel managed to wriggle free and off he went. I think it was Jens de Buskerer of Lotto was there. Um, Yves Lampert, though, of, of uh, de Kernink, uh, quick Quickstep got across. But what that actually did, rather than having a concerted chase, there was kind of like a speed up where, with about a K and a half to go, Bob Jungle's lead was chopped back a bit. Um, but then, pretty much, as soon as Lampert got on that group and Duel kind of half sat up, looking for some assistance um, the impetus kind of went out of that group and it, it, it kind of it kind of fizzled out really and Jungles finished with he was pretty exhausted but he managed to get over that last K fairly, uh, fairly easily and, and win hold on to win before uh, flopping over his bike um, Dool managed to uh, escape that second group to get second place which is a great ride for him and for the team sky in their final uh to start their final classics campaign um and it was fairly uh it was it was fairly comfortable from uh from, from jungle's point of view in the end and a tactical triumph for for de Kerning? probably yes they uh they managed to win both of the opening uh, classics of the season um they managed to win them both with lone breakaways with star riders from their from their team. Um, no no blemishes, no blots on the copybook. Um, Phil Gill controlling things, calling the shots from uh, slightly uh, slightly behind the uh, behind the, uh, the you know the front row of the peloton. Lampert looking good and strong. So all good really um, of the other contenders uh, Oliver Narson was in the breakaway with Jungles um, towards the end of Kerner Brussels Kerner he put quite a lot down trying to keep that breakaway away um, he was probably hampered a bit by the fact that Stein Vandenberg is probably his main man he'd ridden really strongly on Saturday in Het Newsblad but just didn't quite have the legs to go back to back and really struggled uh, ending up abandoning um, uh, Kerner, Brussels Kerner so a disappointing, uh, disappointing second portion of the weekend for him um, so where, where, would you, uh, where would you say the big losers are? I think probably um, education first uh, were a big loser. Okay, they had Alex Howes in the breakaway on the, the first day. Langerfeld was in the breakaway on the second day. Um, but Van Mark and Breschel both failed pretty uh, spectacularly. You'd probably also look at Lotto. Tim Wellens did his best to, uh, to win Het Newsblad um, and rode really well, but didn't quite have it. Um, but then, you know, the cobbles haven't been his natural, natural territory, so... He's, he's been more of an Ardennes man. Um, and I think there'll be a lot of people talking about Sky and what happened with them. Uh, in Het Newsblad, Stannard and Duel were in the mix um, quite quite close to the end of the race, actually. Stannard looked monstrously strong on the Quaramont. Duel obviously wriggled away to get a runner's-up spot 
I think probably Sky would have taken that before the weekend, a runners-up spot in one of those uh, one of those two races. Um, so well done to them. Um, fascinating first weekend. Can't wait for La Samin today. Um, it's been an interesting race to watch, really, and we've watched rainy sort of versions of, of riders going around that circuit. I think my overriding memory is of um, Gillen Van Keel's book, uh, who's now one of Greg, Le, Greg Van Avermaet's uh, support riders at CCC, I think is an overriding memory is of him riding in awful weather, like wrapped up more than you know most people are on a January club run uh, to, to win that. So we'll see how that pans out today. My feeling is that um, it's going to take something quite special to stop Quickstep getting the treble. If, if they decide that they want to win this one as well, I think they probably will. Um, I think they might have slightly lesser of, of their A of their A squad out, but you know there's still people who could uh, who could who could win it from uh, from their second tier of, uh, of classics riders, or they could try and tee it up for Gilbert because he was proper influential in that race uh, over the last couple of years so I think the only thing that might stop them is if they feel that you know down the line in Flanders or something they might get ganged up on if they don't leave something for the other teams and much as we like to uh, to feel that that's not necessarily the way with uh, with modern cycling you wonder if they might look at it and think right okay we've got two out of the three let's let someone else you know not necessarily give it away but let's you know, use this race for, for trying stuff out and uh, for Flanders and, and Roubaix and maybe down the line if, a t- if another team feels that they've benefited from that they might, you know, offer us up a little something in return or not chase us unduly if we get a rider away in one of the, uh, in one of the other races but we shall, we shall see it's, um, it may be that with a new sponsor to please there's no gifts it may be with other teams, you know, with new sponsors to impress like CCC or others like Sky looking for, you know, a sponsor. It might be that, that the race is, is, you know, run off fairly savagely. But I'd, I'd, I'd be amazed if it's a non-De uh, Kerning quickstep um, rider on, on the top of the podium, I have to say. Uh, ahead of that then, of course, we get into um, properly the meat of the... Uh, of the early part of the season, um, Strada Bianchi is Saturday, uh, one of the one of the best races of the year. Um, uh, being proper old school, it took me a while. Like with the Tour of Yorkshire, regular listeners will know it took the Tour of Yorkshire a while to uh, ingratiate itself to me. Same with Strada Bianchi, but I think like last year's effort by Tate Benoit, along with uh, Val Van Aert and um, Roman Bardet, that was some bike race. And if it's you know, anywhere near as exciting as that this weekend. Um, and already the weather watchers on the internet forums are looking for rain and snow and sleep predictions um, to get the mud properly uh, properly boggy like it was. Um, so, yeah, that, that's going to be fascinating. And um, that's going to be really, you know, key to how the season develops. And then, of course, on Sunday, the old start of the season, the race to the sun, Paris-Nice starts... Uh, up in northern France and you'll see riders with leg warmers, arm warmers, neck gaiters, overshoes and gradually each stage as they get down towards the south of France and then off into the med you'll see uh, the, the, the tan lines being developed as the kits become, uh, the, the layers of kit become uh, fewer and, uh, and fewer. Um, 
so yeah we're looking forward to that and we'll try and be back in touch a bit more frequently um, now the season's up and running um, so it only remains for me to say thank you please follow us fendrineu.tumblr.com now um, if you can go to that one because uh, the .eu well you know Brexit and all that um, we'll speak to you uh, in a week or so hopefully take care bye bye